We've come to a passage this morning in uh, Romans 13, which conveniently is, is quite helpful to us because it's about governments and it's not about new governments, but we'll make it fit that way. Um, I said to Rob, um, he's preaching on the same passage down in Dirrambandi this morning. I said, this, this sermon will be a bit easier to preach if Labor get in, actually. He said, that's no, uh, that's no reason to <laughs> pray for that. But that's okay. Um, so I'm just going to read, but I am going to just include the last verse of chapter 12 and then uh, start at chapter 13 of Romans. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you'll be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servant, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it's necessary to submit to authorities, not only because of the possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. Very relevant, isn't it? I'm going to pray. Father, we need your Holy Spirit to give us wisdom with this passage today. And I pray that you would make us open to your reform, whatever that looks like in our hearts. And we pray that your word would be transforming to us this morning in Jesus' name. So, how are you all at submitting to authority? Put up your hand if you're good. Ah. <laughs> the, one person, the one person who put up his hand, we know. <laughs> it's interesting when you put the end of verse, chapter 12 together. Overcome evil with good. So, defeat evil by doing good. And so, so submit to the governing authorities. That's a very interesting way of looking at it, isn't it? Because they do run together. There might be a chapter break there. And we know this comes under a passage which has been talking about living as a, 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 a... be a living sacrifice, giving everything of yourself, dying to your own desires. Uh, do you know that rebellion or anti-submission is at the heart of sin? Isn't it? Is it? Do you agree with that? It began in the garden, didn't it? They did, where they didn't submit to God. Anti-submission, not being subject to the right rulers, is at the heart of sin. Now, we're in a, we're in a world where we know best. I can tell you, if it comes to pol- 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 politics, I know better than you. I actually know the right ones that should be in government. And I actually know better on every policy that you have. But the trouble is, we live in a... 
We live in a, a world where everybody knows best. We can actually turn the air um, We live in a world where we know best, but every other person knows best on every other matter. Do you know that? And people generally will only submit to those others who they agree with. That's right. Yep. That's a, rege- that's a recipe for disaster. That's called dem- it's called democracy. <laughs> yeah? Because democracy actually allows everybody to have their own opinion and put it in together and then you end up with 50 different candidates from 50 different parties and they're all in together and they're all going to work together. You understand? And that's what we want, democracy. Everybody's got their own opinion, everybody's right. And nobody wants to submit to anybody. Authority is a dirty word. Okay. That's, that's the world we live in. And at the heart of humanity is this anti-authority. Do you agree? Are you, are you, are you with me on this? Yeah. Good. Where did authority come from? Well, I'll just read you quickly from Colossians 1, a passage which talks about Jesus and it talks about him creating. It says this, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. Now we get that. Uh, He created uh, verse 15 and 16. All things were created. We understand, we look out that window and we see the trees. He created that. The sky, we get that. The earth, the planets, we, we get that. He, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Now, invisible, we think, oh, that's the air. But he's talking about far more than that. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He made... Authority. He gave, he invented authority. Now you can't see authority, can you? You can't see gravity. He made that too. Do you understand? In, in a similar way, he made intangible things. Okay, but we understand authority. You want to under, understand authority? You, you, you see somebody who is in some sort of authority, maybe it's a policeman, and you feel that authority. You might meet a politician, you might meet a king, you might meet, I don't know who you've met, but you feel that authority when you meet them, don't you? You know it's there, it's a thing. You might mock them, you might run them down, you might want to rebel, but you can't deny the authority that's there. Do you get what I'm saying? Uh, If you go to school perhaps, right, yeah, and you know the teacher has an authority, that doesn't mean you always do what they say, it means sometimes you mess around. But you know they've got an authority. It sits in your heart. It is right. In a minute, he's going to talk about the conscience, isn't he? And the conscience we have when we submit to that authority. Or we don't submit to that authority. But you get what I'm saying. We get the authority and understand this to start with. God created authority. He made it. That was part of the very good. Hmm, Very interesting. Okay. So then he started by saying, let everyone be subject to, subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. 
and those who do so will bring themselves into judgment. If you rebel against ruling authorities, you're rebelling against God. And you'll bring judgment on yourself. Now, this is actually a hard word. I think maybe the problem that's a hard word is because we don't like it, but that's okay. And we will always follow with, yeah, but. I know we should submit to ruling authorities, but that doesn't mean we should submit to ruling authorities, right? (laughs) That's generally how it goes, yeah? I know we should submit, but we shouldn't really submit because that wouldn't be right, would it? Now, I want to tell you about when Paul wrote this. Sorry, Isaac, how old are you? 14. Okay, so you've got a couple of years to go. He wrote this in a time where there began a, a new emperor in Rome in 54 AD. He was called Nero. Do you know him? Nero was 16 when he became emperor. 16 years old. And he ruled for about 14 years. And he began well for the first year. And then something happened when I think he uh, arranged the murder of a stepbrother and then he lost all sense of right and wrong, this Nero. And, and he became really narcissistic and he thought everything about himself was right and he became violent, he became cruel, he became a psychopath. The, the switch flicked. He had power to do what he liked and he started using it. A young man, not saying he didn't have much wisdom, but he didn't have much wisdom. And Christians were there and they became a very easy target. Okay. And he treated Christians very cruelly. Uh, They were thrown to lions. They were crucified. They were burnt alive. He actually poured tar on Christians strapped them to posts and used them as his garden lights by lighting them up. He was a very cruel man. When, this is when Paul wrote the book of Romans. He, sorry, he wrote the book of Romans to the Christians in Rome under Nero's rule. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And he said... To those Christians in Rome under that Roman rule, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. There is no authority except what God has established. It's a hard word when you put it in light of that, isn't it? That's, that's our timing. Peter wrote at the same time, very similar, if you read his book, his book 1 Peter, to the same, he was in the same era with the same rulers. Okay, how are we going to go with that? Because we've got a new government today. Uh, a government who very few people in this area, as statistics would say, voted for. That's true. Um, they have lots of policies that many people around here don't agree with. Is that right? Let's be honest, come on. Some people around here may even think that the policies of our new government are evil. They're not as bad as Nero. Okay? But we might think that. And Paul says, submit to the governing authorities that rule over us. They have an authority which was created and established and given by God. Now, that's not just that. We might think federal government. That actually includes our local councillors. It includes our state government. It includes our law authorities and courts and, and, and so on. 
But this does not mean for a minute that these people are godly. Because Paul's writing this situation to un, about ungodly rulership. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus, uh, if you read his words, he, he actually, at one point he pays the temple tax, which they all believed was wrong, but he, he paid that temple tax. And, and when he was uh, in front of Pilate, Pilate says, you know I've got authority to kill you. And he says, you haven't got any authority except what's given to you. Right? But then Jesus submitted to Pilate's ruling that he be crucified. And it was an unjust, evil ruling, wasn't it? That he be crucified. Now, understand this. So, so did Jesus think that Pilate was a good ruler? Well, actually, another time, do you remember what Jesus said um, about Herod? That fox. That's what he called Herod. That, and, and by that, he means that deceiver, that one who tricks, that liar. Jesus understood what Herod was like. And then he submitted to him. Can you see that? He didn't demand a rebellion, which actually a lot of people thought Jesus was going to do. Fight the authority. On Palm Sunday, it's probably likely that the reason that as Jesus was coming up the steps to Jerusalem, the people come out in, in, in basically worship for him, was because they believed he was about to overthrow the Roman government. It's interesting that he didn't. He went the other way and he went and turned the tables over in the temple, which ultimately meant he was crucified a week later. But can you see uh, what, what I'm saying here? Authorities, we are not saying that authorities are good and right. They will face their judgment before God and they will face it based on the decisions they've made. But that's not our place because last week we also heard vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's his to judge those and he will judge all people and they will be judged accordingly. But their evil does not mean that we should rebel. Now, I want to take a step back just here and understand this. What we've got to understand is these authorities do not upset God's plans. They are not over him. In fact, quite the opposite. And I'll go back to an example. Uh, uh, This is the same example of Christ, but there's plenty of other examples in, in Scripture that God uses the evil plans of evil authorities to bring about his will. Okay, so uh, in, in Acts 2, uh, Peter, in his, his, his preaching on the day of Pentecost, he's just been filled with the Holy Spirit. And in part of it, he says, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. So you know this, Jesus. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing to a cross. He was handed over to you as part of God's deliberate plan. Later on, they're praying in Acts 4. And, and, and as they're praying, they say, This Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. 
and they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, I'm not, I don't want to talk about the God's predestined plans and all that. What I'm talking about here is here, God gave an authority to Herod and Pontius Pilate and the, the Gentiles and the teachers of the law, and they used that authority to crucify the Son of God, and in doing so, they achieved God's deliberate plan and purpose. Can you get that? Is this a once of? No. Well, actually, you remember way back in, in, in the story of Joseph, Joseph's brothers treated him very badly. In fact, they sold him off to be as a slave, where it was almost certain that he'd be dead. And he ended up second in charge over all of Egypt. And then they come begging for food. And, and, and that towards the end, once his father died, they were very worried that as soon as dad's dead, Joseph's going to kill us all. And so they went to him with some trumped up story. And he said to them, you intended to harm me. And they did. He ended up in jail for 14 years or something. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done now, the saving of many lives. Evil people do things thinking, we might think evil people are going to ruin God's plans. They're going to hurt God's people, but he has authority over those people and he is actively working. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is in authority over the authorities. And this is the case in every situation in our lives. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God's actually ruling over the authorities? We don't necessarily see... I mean, Joseph could say that in hindsight, couldn't he? And we can agree with what we just read about Jesus being crucified. In hindsight, we can. But I'll give you another example from the Old Testament. Um, God says in Isaiah 7 that he's going to send Assyria to... um, He's going to send Assyria to bring judgment on the people of Israel because of their idolatry. He's going to use... He has given authority to a foreign nation... That's God-given authority to come and crush Israel because of their sin. And then later, he says, you know, Assyria, they crushed you because of my judgment. And then they got all proud about it. I'm going to crush them. (laughs) I'm going to take them down. Well, I'll read you from Isaiah 10, 12. It says, when the Lord had finished all his work against Mount Zion on Jerusalem, he will say, I'll punish the king of Assyria for his willful pride of his heart and the haughty look in his eyes. God uses authorities which are evil to bring about his purposes. So if we have evil authorities over us, it's not the end of the world. In fact, it may actually be good for us. Even And there's not for a second to say they're good. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Somebody said yes, I think, but I'm not really sure. Okay. Sorry, what's that? We might not see the bigger picture, The bigger picture is there. God is actually ruling. Thank you very much for that. That's 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 a good. So I'll read you the rest of the verse I read to you. When Joseph said, he said, "You intended to harm me, 
But God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done, the saving of many lives, so then don't be afraid. Can you see that if we understand that God is ruling over all authorities, then fear disappears? Because at at the heart of evil rulerships is fear, isn't it? What are they going to do to us? They're going to ruin everything. It's just going to be a complete mess. And they might. But that doesn't mean that God's plans have been ruined. Okay. Verse 3. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what's right and you will be commended. Um, Well, that makes sense. But what if... What if the government asks us to do something against God's law? Should we rebel then? That's, that's, the one, that's, that's the out we look for so that we can do what we like. Of course. Okay. Now, I could say this. I don't think no government in my lifetime, I can't think of a thing, has asked me to do evil. Okay? They have brought in bad laws, I think. Okay, laws I don't agree with. Homosexual marriage, don't agree with that. That's the government we just voted out that brought those in, by the way. Just out of interest. Yep. Um, they've made... Uh, there's all sorts of laws, but they've never actually told me to do that myself. Do you understand? They've made laws I don't agree with about abortion, but they've never said, and you must do that. They've never forced us to sin, is what I'm saying. That, that can come. Uh, so, uh, however, there are examples in the Bible of people who rebelled against ruling authorities. Just, I'll give you two, both from the book of Daniel. Daniel's three friends, Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego, were told to bow down to a golden image of Nebuchadnezzar. And they refused to. They partially, partially didn't submit. Why would I say they partially didn't submit? Uh, the government was forcing them to uh, do a sin, wasn't it? And, and they refused. But you see, they didn't refuse to bear the judgment that came afterwards. They actually submitted. They, they submitted to the fiery furnace, knowing, not, well, not knowing the outcome. They said, we don't know if we're going to die here today, but we know God can save us. That's what they, they said. And not knowing the outcome, they actually submitted to the punishment that came. So what they rightly were saying Look, we're not going to obey this, obey this law, but we will obey and we understand that you have authority to bring the punishment upon us for not obeying. Does, it, does that make sense? They're, 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 yeah, um, one of the Scandinavian countries, it's actually illegal to publicly read Romans chapter 1. It's called a text of hatred or terror or something like that, because, mainly because it speaks against homosexuality. So a pastor read that, and in, in, in his public assembly, and uh, he was convicted, and he, and he had to go to jail for a month. And he accepted that. Yeah, he didn't fight against the authority, but he also didn't submit to that. Okay, in the lion's den, Daniel was told not to pray to anyone except the king. So he was convicted to go to the lion's den. He also didn't know the outcome, but he never said, you're wrong in throwing me in there, did he? 
because he, he respected and he honoured the authority that was given by God to the king who was about to throw him into a lion's den. Unjustly. He was saying, I honour the authority. It's right that they bear judgment. Does that make sense? But what, what I'm saying there is particularly these issues are actually not many in our lives. But when they ask us, if, people, if we are asked to uh, go against the law of God, then we'll stand and we'll take the punishment willingly. Okay, verse 4. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For the rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. So human authorities have a right to bring punishment for disobedience and rebelling against their authority. Um, we, they will be judged, that's true, for their laws and their ways, but that's, and that's, but that's not our place. We can vote, that's part of the law. So we can vote people out. But um, they, they govern, they're the government of the land and they are an agent of wrath against the wrongdoer. So how are they an agent of wrath? Well, if you disobey their laws, there's jails. There's not the death penalty anymore. There used to be. Uh, there's fines. They can put conditions on our freedoms, can't they? You, can, you might even get a bracelet put around your ankle to tell you where you can go and things like that. When you disobey, they are agents of wrath. They bring the sword for what they see brings a peaceful society. They wield a God-given sword. Okay. Therefore, verse 5, it's necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of the possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Obedience and submission cause us to have a clear conscience, don't they? Yeah? Or, if you break a law, you have a guilty conscience... And you see the bearer of the law go past in their car with the blue and the red light on top, right? You feel uh, the pain of a guilty conscience. That's how it goes. Uh, or whatever other authority you, you, you rebel against. This is also why you pay taxes. Oh, it's got all the horrible stuff today, hasn't it? This is, I should say, this is also why you love to pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to government. They're actually called public servants, aren't they? That's what we call them. And what do we hate most? When we see them doing it for, working for themselves. But, uh, so that's why we don't want to pay our taxes. But we, will, we, we reserve the right to complain when our roads aren't fixed. But we don't want to pay our taxes. Because obviously we know better than everybody. Okay. I hope you understand the humour in this, but anyway. He uses the example of taxes and he says, submit to the ruling authorities, give. Do, that's what you're supposed to do. Give to everyone, he finishes by saying, what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then pay revenue. If respect, then respect. And if honour, then honour. Don't pay grudgingly, including honour. Honour the leaders. Yep, honour the rulers. 
It'll go against you, from what we've said, it'll go against you if you speak badly against the policeman who stops you, won't it? It'll go... I've heard of lots of people who do that. Yeah. Honour them. I really didn't like... It. Sorry, this is a personal opinion. I didn't like the Prime Minister of Australia saying, I'm ScoMo. I'd prefer him to be called Mr Morrison. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you reckon there's a sign of honour there? That familiarity is kind of a bit weird. So now we've got elbow. That's much better. <laughs> okay. Honour the authority God's given. And in 1 Timothy 2, Paul actually takes that in another way and he says, and pray for your leaders. Pray for them. How can we ever do this joyfully and peacefully? Because I'll say it again. We are a people, including even those in the church, who really, really are not very good at authority except if we've got it. Yeah, we love to rebel. How can we, as Paul said the other week, love must be sincere? Okay, how about this? Submission must be sincere. Submission must be genuine. Submission must be unhypocritical. Joyfully be submissive to ruling authorities. <laughs> how, how can we do that? Well, okay. I'm going to pull together just a few bits and pieces to finish off with this. And that is it. In Romans 12, Paul had said, don't be slack in zeal, but be aglow with the Spirit. That was part of the central to this. You're going to need the Holy Spirit. Honestly, if you are to joyfully submit genuinely to any other people, you will need the Holy Spirit. Paul said in Ephesians 5, he said, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he said, going and being filled with the Holy Spirit looks like this. And he lists some things. And the last one he lists is the easy one. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submission comes by the Holy Spirit. But it also comes when we understand that we give our lives as a living sacrifice, which is the start of chapter 12, which means submitting or dying to ourselves, as we've said. And the sinful nature, as I've said it again and again, rebels against any authority because we think we know better. So we've got to actually put to death ourselves as a, as a sacrifice to do something which we're really not good at, which is do not conform to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? Everybody rebelling against anything above them. Don't submit to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so, I'll say it again, if you're ever going to submit to anyone willingly, it's going to take a transformation of your mind, which is by the power of the Holy Spirit, which will come in view of God's mercies. That's where this whole section started. In view of what God's done for us through Christ. In view of the mercy and the grace of the Son of God, who is the perfect example of what this submission looks like, who submitted to ruling authorities that he was way above and knew way better than, and he submitted to the Father's will, which was perfect, so he submitted to evil powers and authorities to bring about our salvation and to bring about our forgiveness and to bring about our adoption as children of God as part of God's plan and purpose. So, in light of the gospel, in light of Jesus who, who lived this very thing that Paul says, in light of the salvation he's brought and the forgiveness he's brought for all of our rebellion, and in light of the power of the Holy Spirit that was given to us, who transforms and gives us a renewed mind and makes us new, we can actually be people who submit 
genuinely. And without the power of the Holy Spirit and without what Jesus has done for us, we'll never submit to anyone. You get that? Do you know, conversion, that's when you become a Christian, it really begins with submission. Repent. What does that really mean? Turn from your self-rule to God's rule. Turn from, in my words, Derek is Lord to Jesus is Lord. Submit. Firstly, submit to him as being the king of all, but also submit to your need for salvation. Submit to the fact that you need him to save you. See, submission is at the heart of actually being a Christian. You can't be a Christian without submitting. Yep. Because in general, who, what are people? They are God-haters and they're God-rebellers. They're rebelling against God. So we need submission. It's central to being a Christian. Because what happens otherwise is people become Christians and then they agree with God's law where they agree with it. And when they don't like God's law, well, they think, well, that part shouldn't be in the Bible or something like that. But, you see, we are those who willingly submit and then we live joyful lives with clear consciences because we know what it is to be truly human. To be truly human is to submit. Right from the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden and he said, do this, right? Rule over the earth under me. And then they sinned by saying, I don't want to be under you. Submission's always been there. It's the heart of being human. It's good. And God created all the authorities. So, he knows best. He knows what he's doing. We can entrust ourselves to all authorities with our own lives, with the life of our families, with the life of St George, our town, with uh, the lives of our nation, with what's going on in the world. We can submit to authorities because we know the one above them and he is actively working for the good of his people. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for this message. In our hearts, we know it's true. In our sinful natures, we, uh, our heckles come up against it. So I pray that you would powerfully work by us, your spirit to make it real to us and make us people who live with the peace and joy of simple submission to the authorities that you've put above us. And I pray that you would cause this to work out in our lives, that we wouldn't let it go, that we would see where we are rebels and, Father, that you would give us a clear conscience as we live under you and under the authorities that you've established. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.